You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me? Well, uh, I thought about this long and hard, you know, and how I would address this. Uh, but uh, this is this is it. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it was Michael Jackson who, and God knows, I, I hope that this doesn't happen to me. <laughs> but uh, Michael was preparing for his last show. And it was This Is It. And uh, he didn't get a chance to go out on the road. So uh, I'm not going out on the road. I'm not going out on tour. Uh, but this is it. This is the, the last show that I will record and I will uh, do live here on Voice America Sports. Um, I'll be doing some other things. I will keep everybody abreast. Uh, certainly, um, I'm going to be doing a show. I can tell you this now. I have been and will continue to do a show on NBC Sports here in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, it's called the DNA Show, like your DNA, uh, DNA Sports Wrap Up. Um, and I do that show with a gentleman by the name of David Jones and myself. Uh, we do that show. So uh, check us out. Okay. But uh, boy, what matters to me also is that uh, there was some football this past weekend and some damn good football. But it's not so much the football aspect that I really want to address at the top of this show. What I want to address at the top of this show is I, I am becoming extremely concerned again about the National Football League and its responsibility to human beings. Here it is. We have a young man who is a fantastic quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagle, Carson Wentz, who is having back problems, has been, I believe, evaluated to the point where they've said that he has a stress fracture. Now, I'm old enough to know because I was actually playing ball myself in Philadelphia when, a, I'm not going to say a good, but a great basketball player played for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he had a nagging injury that they just couldn't seem to find out what it was. I don't know if it was the technology he hadn't caught up at the time, but eventually they got around to the point where they were able to find out that he had a stress fracture. I'm talking Andrew Tony. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Andrew was extremely, extremely, extremely uh, valuable to that team when they won that national championship uh, with Dr. J, Moses Malone, 4 4 4. Actually, the song came out 4 5 4 because that's uh, Moses said 4 4 4, but it was actually 4 5 4 is how they end up going through the NBA tournament and winning that championship. But uh, Andrew Tony was a you know very valuable part to that. He and Mo Cheeks, Andrew was a two, and uh, Mo was a one. Outstanding team. I, I mean, I, I enjoy I enjoy so much going to those games, watching them play. Of course, they beat the Lakers back then. And um, but Andrew later on in his career had a stress fracture, and they couldn't diagnose it. Didn't know what it was, and continued to give him problems. It never came back. Never was the same for the Sixers. Uh, I don't know if it might have ended his career. But now we have a person on the football team in Philadelphia. And Wentz is, is uh, you know, it was like down to the last minute, you know, it was probable that he might play. I can't even, believe, can't even think they're thinking about him playing. You know, I, I, a stress fracture is a fracture. I don't care if it's stress. I don't care. I, and I, I'm really not sure. You know, when you say stress fracture, 
that stress is the adjective for a fracture. Okay, so a fracture means it's broken. Stress means what? Did the stress break it? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I understand that term. I need, you know, somebody in the medical profession, 888-346-9144, if you're out there to maybe call in and tell me what the stress, a fracture is a fracture. What does stress mean? How, how does stress contribute to the fracture? Because he's stressed out? I just don't get that. But whatever the case is, it's a fracture in his back. Are you serious? And you're trying to get him back on the football field? You know, I'm talking about this man's just well-being, period. Back problems are the worst type of injuries a person can have. You know, I, I just want the young man to be able to, you know, he and his wife to have children. He to be able to play with his children around Christmas time. Uh, there, there are many more things in life that's more important than, than ball. It's bigger than ball. And uh, this gentleman seems to, you know, get banged up a little bit every now and then. So, there, so perhaps maybe he's injury prone. So uh, let, let's take the time. You got a, a very good quarterback who, it, those of you who remember, and my man Willie is not with me today on the show, but certainly Willie understands and probably remembers my perspective is that I wasn't one of those guys who was saying that Wentz should have got the job back right away. I wasn't convinced that he, you know, he didn't lose the job. Not that he did anything to lose the job other than to get hurt. But that's the way sports is, particularly football and basketball. Is I've always felt this way, that you're, it's not an excuse to me that when the starter goes down, that the man that steps in, that he's an Achilles heel to the team. All of a sudden now it's a tremendous drop off. No. In my opinion, as if I were a person who were coaching, I would think that my backup is just as good as my starter. They're competing for a position. And it just so happened that the person that's starting made a couple more plays more than the person that's backing him up. But my position production, I do not expect for it to drop off because my second team guy is in. You know, in basketball, they talk about a lot about, a lot about the bench. They don't expect when the bench players come in for if the other team still has the stars in there for them just to, you know, blow a 20-point lead. They expect them to maintain or increase. That's what you look for for your bench players coming off the bench. You know, there's a reason why the NBA a lot of times has a six-man of the year because that six-man really could be a starter on a lot of teams. Somebody comes off the bench. You can only play five at a time. But in the case with Carson, what I'm concerned about is, okay, if a team doesn't have the discipline to monitor itself for the health and welfare of its players, then there needs to be a governing body across the league that takes that responsibility when somebody's being negligent. There should be no consideration about Carson Wentz coming back. I'm talking even this year. It's only a couple more weeks left. He shouldn't even be thinking about that. I don't even know about next year. I, I, again, I don't know that much about stress fractures in your back or stress fractures, period. But I know it, fractured means broken. Broken back. Come on, really? And then I want to go on and um, talk about, you know, uh, a couple other players. That, that have been injured. You know, the Rams running back. Uh, we, we, got some, we got some serious issues here when you got star players who are, who are getting injured and being put back into games. 
Now, I will say this, you know, particularly when we talk about the concussion issue. I, there's some things I want to talk about as it relates to coaches and players later on in the show. But athletes are taught to be tough. And, you know, and little boys are always taught to be tough. I don't know why we don't teach our little girls to be tough. But then when we get, when, as they become mature and become adults, then they a lot of times want to push back and they have a concern about their ability to handle jobs and responsibilities just like men. But then we don't raise them as men. We raise them as girls and we raise them as boys. And a boy, we raise him to be tough and a girl to be feminine and cute and pretty and smart. And this dude over here, you know, this guy over here, the boy, he's supposed to be tough. When you fall down, don't cry. Get up. Wipe yourself off. Do it again. The girl, you know, she falls down. You run to her. You pick her up. You know, hey, honey, you wipe her tears. You know, you cry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you hurt. You know that. So, in football, there's a difference between being hurt. Because if you've listened to the show over the years, you've heard me say, when I played, we had metal cliques. You step on my foot, it hurts. It hurts. You weigh 250. I don't care if you weigh 175 and you step on my foot with the metal cleats, it hurts. But I'm not injured. Injured is when I got a broken arm. I got a dislocated shoulder. I got a separated shoulder. I got a hernia. You know, I'm injured to the point where I can't perform to the best of my abilities. When I'm hurt, it's just a matter of can I manage my pain in such a, pl- such a way that I can continue to play. Now, some people have told me, you know, okay, if, if, if it's broken, you can't break it again. Well, you can. You can break your hand, your arm in multiple places, so you can break it again. But some people say, well, you can't break it again, so go on and play. <laughs> well, I was one of those guys that, you know, they convinced me to play with, with a broken hand or whatever. But anyway, I just want to mention that because I think sometimes, again, in today, in modern day society, Our athletes, if they're hurt and they can manage the pain, it's okay. But when you mask the pain by giving them drugs, I don't know if you're really saying you are managing the pain. You're you're covering the pain. You're not. it's, It's not your body's ability to manage the pain that allow you to continue to play. It's been the pain that you're feeling has been now suppressed by some drug. And we, we can't do that with athletes going forward. We've got to stop that. We've got to put a government body in place to say, no, we're not going to do those things to players anymore. If they're injured, if they're hurt to the point where we've got to give them something to mask the, the pain, then they can't play. That's what I, I just believe that, because then you hurt yourself worse. They've been telling me, so we gotta, we got to take a break. So uh, what I think I'll do is I'll take a break, then we'll come back. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we... We cover everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Alrighty, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me? Well, it matters to me, as I said, this will be my last show here on Voice America Sports. But at the same time, it also matters to me is uh, I'm really concerned. And I think there needs to be an office set up of medical management, if you will, or player safety really set up to make a decision if the teams can't make this, the decision for themselves. They don't have the discipline. They have such a desire to win at the risk of any and every player. There's another player, of course, we just got finished talking uh, earlier. Uh, I was talking about some injuries, and, you know, of course, we talk about uh, Wentz uh, with the Eagles. Gurley, the running back for the Cowboys, I mean for the uh, Rams, uh, who you guys might have saw, Todd actually was on the sideline with some type of brace on his leg, and then they put him back in the game. Really? And, and those of you who, who, who watched the, the late game um, got a chance to see uh, Cam Newton. And, and Cam had a procedure done on his shoulder, I believe, in the offseason. And obviously, it, it, maybe it didn't heal or it got re-injured, but whatever it is, Cam is not playing up to his ability, and he's trying to toughen it out and not make any excuses. He's trying to play through the pain, you know, but he's, it's not Cam. It's not the same product, and you're risking the product, and then you're risking the health of the individuals. So, so this Carson Wentz, Todd Gurley, and Cam Newton, those are three of the superstars of our league, three of the best players in our league. Cam's already been a, an MVP in the league. Carlton Wentz was on his way to MVP if he didn't get hurt, and he'd won the Super Bowl. He probably would have been MVP of the league. Gurley, come on, one of the best rushers in the league. It, it just is not making sense to me. And, and me being from the concussion generation, I'm going to identify us as. I know what it's like when, when they don't really care about you. You know, when they pull you to the sideline, they give you some, you know, again, don't, don't even pull you to the sideline out on the field. Give us what we used to call smelling sauce. What the hell is smelling sauce? 
When you when a as a doctor ever you smelling saw somebody is knocked unconscious. They're asleep. I mean, really, they are really asleep. For those of you out there who are listening, who really don't understand, who've never really ex- had the experience of talking to someone who's played professional football, college football, or high school football that has been knocked out cold, don't know, you, you, you're asleep. When you get knocked out, knocked unconsciously, you are like, it's just like being sleep. Except a lot of times when you get knocked unconscious, different than when you are asleep, well, no. Yeah, different than when you fall asleep. When you fall asleep and you wake up, the majority of times you can remember what you did before, just before you fell asleep. Certainly the day before, the day of. If you fell asleep in the afternoon, maybe you remember what you were doing that morning. When you get knocked unconscious, that you're knocked out, you wake up, you don't even know who the hell you are. You certainly don't know where you are. That there's, there's something totally different than going to sleep when you're asleep and getting knocked out, knocked unconscious when you're asleep. Now, here's the thing about it. I just used two different terms there that made me stop and think about something. When you're asleep, very seldom, if ever, are you identified as being unconscious. When you get knocked out, you are unconscious. You have no clue of what's going on. Anything. So, you know, but I'm from that generation. And, and what happened is that you would get knocked out. They would get this stuff called smelling sauce. They call it smelling sauce. I don't know. You can't go in the, go in the store tomorrow. Today, this afternoon, while you're listening to the show, hang up. After, turn it off. Turn the computer off. Go to the store. And if, if you got a drugstore, go to the drugstore, the pharmacist, or somebody in the store fries, Kroger's, whatever, and ask them, do they have any smelling sauce? Don't look at them crazy. <laughs> Don't look, they may look at you like you're crazy. But ask for some. Smelling sauce. It's the stuff they put up under your, to, to the players many times. It's kind of after you, you, know, you wake up and you know, you, you're shaking your head, you kind of move your nose away from it. It, you get the sense that it smells of, if there's anything you can think of, as close as you can come to is probably ammonia. But I've had a couple surgeries in my life. I've never come through my surgery shaking my hand and moving my nose out the way because I smell some ammonia under my nose to bring me conscious. I, I just don't, I, I need somebody else to explain that to me that anywhere else in the world that you do anything besides sports, when you lose consciousness, do they bring you back with that? I can say bullshit because my last show called Smelling Sauce. What is that? And they used to put us back in the game after they asked you, what's your name? Where we at? Who we playing? Okay, where you from? Where'd you go to college? Uh, you sure you know where we at? Who we, who, we, who we playing? You know who we playing? Okay, what's my name? They ask you those kind of questions. And then if you get them right, and then they put your finger in front of your eye, they move it to the left and the right. They want you to follow. Don't move your head, but follow their fingers with your eyes. And if you can do that and you know where you're at, you may ask you what time it is. You know, how the hell I know what time it is? The game started at 1 or 4 or 9. If it was a Monday night game, it used to be at 9 o'clock. 
So I, I don't know. They asked me, is it halftime? I, I don't know. First quarter, second quarter, I got knocked out. I don't know, man. You know I don't know that. But these are the kinds of things. This is the primitive era which I played in, of which you get knocked out and they put you back in the game. And now I'm trying to stop. What, I, what I'm advocating for right now is you got some players that, okay, maybe they didn't get knocked out. But Wentz has got a stress fracture in his back. Check that out for his sake and healthy health, not the teams. You just won a Super Bowl. He helped you win a Super Bowl. You, you, you haven't had a quarterback did that for you in the, in the history of your franchise. You should be grateful and thankful for that. He's paid his dues and earned his money. Ty Gurley, one of the best running backs the past few years, he's been in the league, performing at the highest level all the time. Are you going to risk his career? You, you, put, you put a brace on, uh, he had a brace on, the, on his leg on the sideline. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was heat. Maybe it was a heat pack or an ice pack. I don't know, but it looked something like some kind of brace. But, okay, is it worth it, really? You're going to make the playoffs. You could put him out on the sideline, let him stay. Cam Newton, really? You really want to risk that? You don't have your backup quarterback. I don't even know who your backup quarterback is, do you? But, but Cam is the kind of person that, again, he's trying to explain his way through the bad game he had. Okay, it was obvious. You, you didn't look like Cam. You know, we didn't see you, you know, scrunching up. We didn't see you, you know, in pain. But the performance, the way, the way you delivered, you were throwing the ball even looked different. Certainly the velocity wasn't, the velocity wasn't on it that you typically throw the ball with Cam. Your ability, your escapability, I think you were cautious last night. You didn't give it everything you had. You were, you were concerned. Listen, a person, I guess, humans are not animals. Humans are humans. Animals are animals. For some reason or another, in the medical field, we will test things on animals to see how they react to give us some indication of how a human being might act. Black folks, yeah, we, we appreciate the fact that you are not, you know, doing all these experiments on us anymore. Shout out Tuskegee. Do your homework if you don't know. Do a little research. Uh, but certainly, you know, I, I don't think you need to be testing, you know, the pain tolerance and the ability of an individual to play a sport once they're hurt, you know. He's hurt. The person's hurt. They're injured. They don't let them play anymore. They, they, they can't, you know, it's like a wounded animal. A lot of times they say when an animal is wounded, you know, they, they protect themselves better or more. Or they certainly, where they might not be violent. They might turn violent if you try to touch an area in which they're hurt. You know, human beings are somewhat similar. Except normally if we're hurt, we can't be violent if you're trying to touch us in an area that hurts. We react. We try to remove ourselves from harm's way, avoid any contact, things of that nature. And, and because of that, we seem a little bit more timid. And that's what I thought I saw in Cam uh, with his injuries. Um, I talk about this because I can go all the way back to high school. And a lot of times what we learn in high school is, is you know, it's the foundation of our Sports intelligence, it, that's where, and knowledge, everything comes from there. It's your first experience of playing contact football. 
for many people, it was in high school. For me, it was in junior high. But in high school, you know, in high school, you're only four years away. I take that back. In high school, when you come in in, in the ninth grade, you're eight years away from playing against the greatest athletes in the world. When you get to college, you're four years away from playing with some of the best athletes in the world. And then what happens is you're really not four years. You're probably a year away because when you're a freshman or somebody who's a senior, the next year he's playing pro ball, it's your sophomore year in college. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple other things as it relates to injuries and high school and coaches and, and all that stuff. This is a little different than the way I thought I'd do this show today. Uh, it's kind of off the cuff, but it's off the heart. Listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Take a break and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me? Well, I think I told you a little bit. Uh, this is uh, going to be my last show here at Voice America. Um, so that matters to me. It means a lot. Enjoy my time here. Uh, but I'm off to doing some bigger and better things. So uh, thank you all for supporting the show and the network. And hope you uh, continue to follow me as I uh, continue on with next steps in my career. I'll give you share some information with you in the next segment. Uh, but also, I'm, you know, I'm concerned about players' health and safety, and, and I think the league needs to police itself even more than they are because there were three significant injuries that were out there. These were players that were significant to the team and to the sport 
uh, that were injured. And uh, the way it was addressed, Carson Wentz did not play, thank God. Uh, but there was some thought that he might play. And, and then once the injury was revealed, there was still conversation about he's, you know, he's on the, you know, you know, not sure if he's going to play or not going to play. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there was Ty Gurley who got injured in the game and Cam Newton who's been injured for some time and, in fact, had a procedure in the offseason. So I'm just advocating you can't leave it up to the player. As a matter of fact, Todd Gurley and Cam should have not probably been on the field playing once they got injured. Cam was already hurt. Gurley got injured in the game. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, step up and just, you know, make a decision. You, you can do that. You are the National Football League. You know, a lot of stuff stands for not for long. So you shouldn't be too long that you let these people abuse uh, the bodies of these individuals. You should be concerned about them. But uh, let me go on because now I want to get into a part of this show. You know, since it's going to be my last here, uh, it's something I always like to do. Is I, I, I love to, to give credit where credit is due. And... Uh, First, let me say this about, I saw a picture that was on Facebook. On my Facebook page, it was actually on one of my boys, my homeboy's page, uh, Stan Hall. Uh, Stan was a senior when I was a freshman at Camp McKinley High School. One of the greatest basketball players in the history of Camp McKinley basketball. Uh, Stan had a picture with, with a lot of the fellas over the years uh, that I remember seeing in this basketball picture. And, 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 I, and I'm going to tell you, I, I stared at this picture for hours. And I was contemplating, you know, how I could, you know, write a post to give it justice to my life. But beyond my life, the lives of so many athletes, so many people in that community of Canton, Ohio, how important those young men on that picture. We still young because it was a it was a recent picture as opposed to back in 74 when Stan and went to the state uh, basketball tournament and they lost to somebody down there. Uh, Cincinnati elder maybe I think my brother was on that team as well but he wasn't in his picture but there were a lot of guys in his picture and it just meant so much to me and and that's I want to thank so many people right now as I do this last couple segments of this show because you mean so much to my life and so many other people's lives that the mere thank you doesn't do you justice that you deserve for the contributions that you've made to our lives some of us who were more successful may not have been the best on the team. I know I wasn't the best. Are those guys, are the basketball players? They're basketball players, most of them. I may, I may be one football. Uh, Jerry DeBose was one football player. No, Percy was in there too. Um, and so, Percy Walker. So, you, you, you got a couple football players in there, and Herb Green was a football player too, but basketball too. Uh, Elmer played, Elmer Jackson, he also played basketball and football his senior year. So there was a couple of football players that was in that picture, but they were mostly Camp McKinley basketball. But I'm saying you gave, you gave so much to your community. There was some entertainment that people could spend a couple dollars on that the value of that was way beyond anything you could imagine. It was a family night out. It was entertainment that was worth every penny of it. You gave your heart, your soul, you performed to your ability and far beyond. You gave the city of Canton a reason to be proud of your sports programs because you were also, you were great athletes and you were fine young men off the court as well and in the classroom. 
I'm just I'm just so happy to be a part of that, that they were a part of me, that whatever I did in my life, it was because of the foundation, the upbringing, and the competition that I had. Every one of them guys that was in that picture, I not only played on your team, but we in the park at some point in time or in practice at some point in time, I played against you. You made me work, and because it's my last show and we're on the internet now, I can say this, you made me work my ass off. Because that's all, that's all you did. You didn't give it any less than that, Ernie D. That's really Leonard Washington, but I call him, of course, Ernie D. Oh, man, one of the coldest point guards ever. Handle and could do things with a ball that you couldn't even think a ball could do with a man, you know, guiding the direction of it. No look passes way before Magic was doing them up, uh, up in Michigan State and in the NBA. Leonard Washington was doing them in 1975-1976, Cam McKinley High School. The master of the no-look pass. Thank you, fellas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going I'm to I'm I'm repost that picture, Stan. I'm going to share that picture. And I'm going to write something on Facebook about them, fellas, because, man, y'all just meant so much to me. And so many, so many after, so many people that came after you were trying to be the hell with Mike. All due respect to Michael Jordan. But they were trying to be like Lonnie, Elmer, Stan, Hub, Spoon, Ship. Mac, Barry Willis, you know, that, that man, these are the, Percy Walker, they, these are the people they were trying to be like. And man, it was, it was, if, you, if you were anything like them, you were good. You were damn good. Cam McKinley High School basketball team been to the state more times than any other school in the history of the state of Ohio. Balling. Ballers balling. Now, let me, let me if I could. I want to take some time out because I got a chance to go back. I think it was last year. You know, I've been hit my head a few times, so I, I, sometimes I get things confused. I got a chance to go back to speak at the Hall of Fame luncheon. I was not inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm in the Cam McKinley High School, in the Star County Hall of Fame, I believe. But I got an opportunity to come back to speak at the Hall of Fame luncheon. And I'll never forget... Uh, I didn't think it was anything big. I wasn't trying to do, I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I simply was coming into a room, and I'm saying this because they made a big deal out of this, and I'm thinking, hell, everybody should do this. It's, it's the very few times where you're in a small enough room where you got a chance that you can shake everybody's hand and say hello to everybody. It's not like you got the 20,000 people or, or the 80,000 people or the 115,000 people in the stands. You got a couple hundred people in the room. You can work a room. It's like you're doing business. You, I learned how to work a room once I, you know, I got out of college and I'm in business. I learned how to work a room. It's going to be somebody here someplace you might want to do a deal with. So shake everybody's hand. Say hello to them. Get their car. Say hello. Well, I wanted to thank everybody because I knew if, if they came, that meant they knew my name. They knew who I was. They remembered my days of playing ball either at Camp McKinley High School, Sowers. Let me start off like this. Sowers. Either at Sowers or at Hartford or at McKinley. At, at one of those schools, they knew my name. And, and so they came. So I wanted them to know that it meant so much to me that I'm at least going to shake your hand and say thank you for coming. I'm, I'm Ray. I, I'm sure you know that I'm Ray, but I, I, I want to make sure that I know who you are and your name, sir. And thank you for coming. It was one of the most fulfilling days of my life because I saw something in their eyes. It was, a little, it was like when I was a young man and I met somebody who played ball, who was successful at the highest levels, either, either at that time at Ohio State, if I met Archie, 
or, or you know, if I'm at Aaron Brown, or if I'm at Kelton Danzer, or, you know, one of them dudes, or um, Ron Springs, Cornelius Green, oh my God. You know, I, I was, I was thankful. I was excited. It was somebody that I'm, I pay money to watch. You know, I follow, I admire. And so I, I wanted to, you know, at least shake their hands. And I got a chance to do that. And it was, it was just as fulfilling for me as I, as I hope it was for those guys. But they made a big deal out of it. And I'm thinking, no, that's the least I could do. Because I do want to tell everyone I'm thank you because I heard the cheers. And they meant so much to me. I used to sit in the stands when it was cold and cheer for other people. I know what it's like to do that. I walked miles as a little boy. Little boy. I mean, under 10 years old, I, watched, I walked miles at night to see Kent McKinley football. I know what it's like to be that little boy looking up to those high school ball players that I thought were giants and their success and just in size. Meant the, meant the world to me. So I wanted to thank those guys because I know they did the same thing because they were fans of McKinley and Ohio State football for years and Cleveland Browns. So I got a chance to do that. So now... Um, I'm going to take a chance, I'm going to take the time now to, to thank some of my coaches. Because see, one thing about when you do something in this new digital world, it's there forever. So I, I'm, I could grab this and send this to a coach or, or a friend of mine, whatever. And I want to do that. And I want to start off, but, but the first, first coach, I'm going to say the first a couple coaches I had outside of the school district. I played basketball. And Sam Freeman was my basketball coach. I won my first basketball championship when I was a kid. I was always the youngest kid on, Sam, on, on that team. So Sam Freeman, thank you. Thank you. God knows. Thank you so much, man. You showed me how to work hard, how to become a winner. First time I played organized basketball, became a winner. Then I want to thank my baseball coach, Mr. Busby. Thank you, Mr. Busby. We won the championship when I was 10 years old. Came out in my baseball. City League championship. Second championship I won. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back on the other side, finish it out, close it out, thank all the coaches that I possibly can in the short period of time that I have left. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Tune into the revolution with Jim and Trev this week as we talk small game and predator hunting. We'll discuss coyote stands, busting squirrels and rabbits, the dying art of trapping, and much more. Joining us is Jeff Thomason, host of Predator Pursuit, president and founder of Horizon Firearms, Derek Ratliff, and Jake Edson from Bushnell. Jim and Trav's small game and predators talk is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like a marriage, and I thank you for joining me because what matters to me is the fact that you're listening to me. This is my last show, and it's very important to me that you are been listening and have been listening over the years. So thank you so much. So uh, that's the first time I said that, but I wanted to make sure I get that one in too. If I'm going to thank everybody else, I want to thank those of you who've been loyal listeners. Okay, now let me get this thank you to my coaches. You know, I think I just talked, the last coach I mentioned was Mr. Busby, my baseball coach at 10 years old. We won a city championship. My brother was on that team and we beat the Phillies, I believe it was. And uh, man, that was, that was good because that was, again, that was citywide. And so now we were baseball players and we were the champions. Uh, this was in 68. Uh, might have been 69. 69, I believe it was. And, you know, a lot of things going on, a lot of racial tension and stuff around the world. Not so much in Canton, Ohio, but, you know, our team, you know, we, we had like three black guys on the team, me, my brother, and Kevin Henderson. And the rest of the guys were white guys. But we had an integrated team. We played against an all-black team. Uh, not that I wanted us to beat the all-black team, but I'm just saying that Canton was working on integration and, you know, we got it. You know, we brought our sports together, broke down some color barriers, and uh, won some games together. So, I was happy to be a part of that. Okay, now let me move on to uh, back to football because in the seventh grade, I went to uh, Sauer Junior High School in Canton, Ohio, and I played for a man named Mr. Stefanchis. And I actually thought, and I mean this respectfully, Mr. Coach, Coach, I mean this respectfully. I thought this coach was crazy. This man was so intense. He was a young man. He was put very muscular. He was intimidating. He was scary. And, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was a yeller. Got me, listen, I got ready for Woody Hayes before I even knew about Woody Hayes. No, well, I did know about Woody Hayes because I was watching Rose Bowl games on television. But I knew a little bit about Woody Hayes, but uh, not as much. I learned more about him years later, and I jumped ahead. But anyway, he got me ready for football for the rest of my life. If, if I was going to be playing for a coach, that was very verbal, that was, uh, you know, a, a rough coach, very aggressive coach, you know, a mean coach. He got me ready for that. I was prepared for that right, right away. Different than anything I've seen before, but he got me ready for that. And he got me ready to play football. He, he Listen, we should have won more. I, I don't think we won a game in my seventh grade year. One game, the last game of the year, we could have won. We had the ball like first and goal from the one, I think. I was a quarterback, and, you know, we tried to run the ball a few times, and we didn't get it done. Coach Stefanchis, one of the best coaches I've ever had in my life, got me ready, had me work, and everybody else worked as hard as anybody. He ran us into the ground. We, we weren't lifting weights back then in the seventh grade, but he got, in terms of getting us winded or prepared to go into a game, being in shape, he got us in shape. And we practiced hard. It just didn't carry over to the games. Next, in the eighth grade, I, I went over to uh, Hartford. And, um, of course, at, at Hartford, I had a little bit more success over there. 
And uh, please excuse me right now because I'm having a, I'm going to call it a football moment. Coach Infantides, Coach I, was our coach. And another very, very strong man coached you hard, practiced hard, very competitive. I was able to break into the lineup as a starting quarterback there and uh, performed well enough that uh, the high school coach came down and decided to bring a few guys up to the that were freshmen, but play us on the varsity. Uh, and he, he took about four or five, about five of us up to varsity, and, and I was the one who stayed there. The rest of the guys, they brought back down to the freshman team. And uh, so I moved from Coach Infantides up to high school. Now where uh, I was coached by uh, John Brywiser, who was the varsity coach at Camp McKinley High School. And uh, I started out, I came in as a quarterback, you know, before I know it at McKinley, I played quarterback, I played running back, I played corner, I played outside linebacker, I played tight end, I played fullback, I think I mentioned that, and wingback, wide receiver, tight end, yeah. So uh, I think I played everything except a guard and a tackle on offense and a, and, and a D tackle and a nose tackle. On defense. I, I didn't play inside linebacker either. But I think that experience prepared me as well as anything to be an all-around athlete. I, I thought I was prepared. It also helped me that my sophomore year, well, my freshman year too, I had a coach by the name of Bill Knox, who was the brother of Chuck Knox of the Seattle Seahawks. He was my position coach. Fundamentally, he had it down. He, he knew everything about being a defensive back. He also had a saying that don't, when you're a defensive back, if you don't know what you're doing, back up. Don't ever assume because when you assume, if you break it down, it means you make an ass out of you and me. Don't assume because if you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And Coach Knox did, want it, did not want to be made an ass out of. And uh, we experienced something like that at some point in time in a couple of games we played and secondary blew a coverage. It was obvious and... <laughs> Coach Knox did not appreciate that very much at all. So, but great coaches got me ready. Then, of course, uh, on the offensive side, I, I had a coach by the name of Coach Newell. Coach Newell was my wide receiver tight ends coach when I was a sophomore. I, to be quite honest, I was scared. I was intimidated. Cam McKinley High School, these guys leave Cam McKinley High School and go to colleges and be starting. Big time colleges and be starting. And here I am, I'm, ju I'm just a, a sophomore. And they're trying to put me up against the guys that are being recruited by Ohio State, Michigan. Well, not Ohio State, because Ohio State wasn't really showing us a lot of love at that time. But, you know, Michigan and Purdue and Kentucky. And, and so, uh, man, you know, it's just kind of, these, these dudes pretty big, man. I'm, you know, last year I was a freshman, this year I'm a sophomore. And Coach Newell came to me one time. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. He said, Ray, here's what I want you to do. Just do what I say. Don't worry about Brody. Brody was a head coach. Don't worry about Brody. I'll take care of him. You just do what I say. Because they had me blocking. I was, I'm a little dude, man. I probably was weighing like 170, 175, but I was about 5'11", 6 foot. And they got me down when we go to a tight split. Instead of wide receiver, I'm now playing tight end. And I got to block an outside linebacker. I ain't never did that. Not a high school dude. No. And, and, and these are some tough dudes on McKinley's team. Now, I, in practice, I'm blocking a dude who's getting ready to go. got a scholarship getting ready to go to Purdue. Reuben Floyd. I'm blocking Reuben. So, you know, sometimes in practice, you know, you play starters against starters. So, um, 
sometimes when Ruben, you know, I'm trying out, so I haven't made, I may have been on first, second team at that time or whatever. But anyway, Ruben and other people, outside linebackers, I got to block them. You don't do that kind of stuff in junior high school. And yet and still, he told me to do, you know, put, put my face right in that person's chest. I'll never forget in a game we played, I think it might have been Steubenville or something like that. I came off the ball, I perfect, did exactly everything he told me to do. Next thing I know I had to do, down on the ground. I was so proud of myself, but I just did what the coach told me to do. Came off the ball, boom. Low, rised up, head right in his chest, drove him downfield, boom, on top of him, driving my feet. Basic fundamentals, listen to your coaches, guys. That's what I tell everybody to do. Listen to your coaches. Do what they tell you to do. Coach Newell, thank you so much. Okay. Then I, Coach Hedricks was his uh, assistant. Coach Hedricks became the wide receiver coach when Coach Newell left because he got a job someplace else. Coach Bruce Carter. Bruce Carter was one of the first black coaches at Camp McKinley High School, but Coach Carter was also a friend of the family of mine. Thank you, Coach, so much. You, you yeah, treated, me, treated me with respect. I treated you with respect, and we won together, and you were a great example for me and your family and everybody else. Love you. Okay, then I, you know, I only got one minute left, so I'm going to try to run through this real fast. And I went on Ohio State down there, and uh, probably um, Coach Tranquil. Gary Tranquil was my freshman defensive back coach. He didn't like me. I didn't like him either. You know, he I, I, later on, we saw each other at the mall, and I tried to get his number. He didn't want to give me his number. Okay, I'm glad he's out of my life. I'm out of his life. But the next year, um, later on, uh, you know, he, he was gone, and Pete Carroll came. I fell in love with Pete. Pete fell in love with me. Ray, do what I say. Other guys maybe didn't do what he wanted them to do. I did it. He loved me. I played well for him. And that Pete left us, and Pete went on to uh, North Carolina State, and in comes Nick Saban. <laughs> Nick, Ray, do this. I did everything. Did it to the best of my ability. Things worked out. Todd, Todd Bell, Vince Gilly, Mike Guest, Ray Ellis, man, all four of us got drafted. Uh, Coach Hayes, thank you, Woody, in heaven, gave us a chance. Came into Cam McKinley High School, said hello to all, all those people in the cafeteria. Got a chance to take pictures with Willie, Woody back in the day. Well, they didn't take pictures because we didn't have pictures, but they hugged him and all that other stuff. We didn't have phone cameras back then, but he embraced them and had a great time. And it was good because all the four schools came together and we only had two. So, you know, those people came from those other three schools. If they wanted to come to McKinley, they came to McKinley. Of course, they hadn't seen Woody Hayes in their cafeteria before, so... I was happy to share all that with them. They shared their support for me. I appreciate it. So this is just something of appreciation. Then I got a chance to go on. It was drafted by Dick Vermeil. Carl Peterson was a general manager. Fred Bruni, another Buckeye, coached me there. Thank you, Coach Bruni. Thank you so much. Man, can't thank you enough. Then um, got a chance to come back home and play in Cleveland. Of course, Coach Oliver Dottie, but Marty bought me in, believed in me. I believed in him. Coach Oliver Dottie was there, and uh, uh, another coach was there from Ohio State was there. I just can't remember his name right now, but uh, that's another football moment. But it, it was great. Just wanted to take time to thank everybody. You know, gave me a chance to get behind the microphone to talk about my experiences and to evaluate some guys playing ball today. And I think they're doing a good job. Hopefully uh, I've done a good job with this show. Uh, it, too, is uh, something that I learned from somebody else. And that, of course, is a man named Jaime Williams in Canton, Ohio. Anytime Jaime was on the radio and talking about you, you had accomplished something. You were worthy of him speaking your name. So I'm going to close this show up by thanking Jaime Williams and all those coaches and all those people who supported me all my life. Thank you very much. And as always, it's time for us to close this show. So I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. And I'll see you next time, which will be 
the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.